0: Hey, thank you all so, so much for being here today. Back to School Blessing, as you can tell, is, is kind of a big deal around here. And it's actually kind of uh, it's kind of interesting for, for us that this Back to School Blessing happens at a very, very crucial inflection point in our family and in our lives. Last weekend, you all continued the series Top 5. And, and before Julie and I begin, I want to just say a very, very special word of thanks to our very own Bill Jones, who preached for us last week and did just an incredible, amazing job. It's, it's incredible to have that kind of talent and that kind of heart in our church as a, as a part of the body. And Bill and his wife, Johnita, means so much to Julie and me and to our church as a, as a whole. But this series, Top 5, is, as, if you've been around, you know that we started kind of taking a look at how do we find focus in the frenzy? Of the world that we all live in and for a lot of us when school's starting again man the frenzy just starts to pick back up and kick back into this high high gear but for julie and me this year back to school is a little bit different for the first time since the last millennium we will not be seeing a kid off on the bus or waving one off on the driveway as they head to high school because last weekend we were in south carolina as julie alluded to dropping off and depositing Joseph for his freshman year of college while his sister is in Charleston beginning her junior year of college. And so a sermon on parenting this weekend, for for us at least, kind of feels like we're taking final exams. Because, you know, those of you who are students, let me see a show of hands. How many of y'all are students? You're in school right now. Okay, you know final exams are what you take to kind of show what you've learned what you've really retained, how you've actually performed throughout the semester. And when your kids leave and go to college, that's kind of a final exam for a parent. That's when you really start to see how you did. It's one thing when they're in the house and they're, you know, afraid of breaking rules and getting grounded. But now, now we're going to get some very real-world feedback on the job that we did as parents And this subject of parenting fits so perfectly into this series, Top 5. Now, if you haven't been here for the last few weeks, Top 5 is just the five most important priorities in life for all of us, no matter where we are, what station we're in. And just to recap ever, ever so quickly, there's faith, there's marriage, there's work, there's parenting, And there's our physical health and taking care of ourselves. Those five priorities. And the beauty of the top five is that they all work interactively and cooperatively to feed each other. And if we take care of those top five, everything else is better. If we neglect one of those top five, it will impact or affect negatively every other part of life. We know that there are a lot of other parts of life, but those five are the most important. And when we talk about parenting, there are a lot of you in this room who are not yet parents. Some of you are students. How many of y'all are in high school? Let me just see a show of hands. Hopefully very few of y'all are parents right now. (laughs) But you have parents. You may be a grown adult, and you don't have kids yet. But no matter where you are in life, most of us, Most of us have parents. You should be thinking right now, we all have parents. We all have parents. If you were adopted into a family, you have parents. I have parents. Our kids have parents or you will be or are a parent. And what we're going to find out today is that in the role of parenting amongst the top five, everybody has a role to play. And to really get at this, we're going to go to a passage of Scripture that is familiar for a lot of people. It may be kind of a first-time glance for some of us, but it's one of those verses that that parents have kind of clung to tooth and nail for centuries. If you've got your Bible or a phone with you that has the Bible on it, look at Proverbs chapter 22. In Proverbs 22, the Bible issues an, an interesting statement about parenting and about kids within the family. It's Proverbs 22, 6, and this is what the Bible says. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way you should go. And as I said, a lot of parents have hung on to that, and like, oh, thank you for that promise, God. Thank you. If I can just get them to church enough or get them to memorize enough Bible or teach them to be a good guy or a good girl, then, you know, whatever they do in high school or college, if they stray from the way, they'll come back to it. And to apply that verse in this way is to grossly misunderstand what's going on here. I want to ask everybody, if you will, take out the program that you got when you came in today. Everybody take out your program real quick. And I want to encourage you to write down three things about this verse because no matter where you are in life, This verse applies to all of us. Three things you got to understand about Proverbs 22.6. Number one, this verse is more about the parent than the child. This verse is more about the parent than the child. Number two, this verse is more of a prescription than a promise. This verse is not intended to be a money-back guaranteed promise. If you keep all the rules, then one day everything will be all all fine. Because a lot of us know that sometimes people make choices and things don't always turn out all fine. But to set your kids on this path is to give them the best chance. And then the third thing is that this verse is as much for kids as it is for parents. If you're a student, if you're in second grade, this verse is for you. As a matter of fact, I started learning the reality and what's really going on in this verse when our son Joseph was in second grade. Now, I've got, I've got one picture I want to show you real quick. This is, as I said, we dropped Joseph off at Clemson last weekend. And uh, he's started college and has been going. doing all We've got one picture. Look, there's Joe this year. This is his back-to-school picture. This his back-to-school picture He's a freshman in college. But when Joseph was in the second grade, I learned something really important. Now, to back up just a little bit, I'll give you a little backstory. I was a very, very competitive, aggressive kid long, long time ago. I was, I was just that way. I, I was one of those kids, man, I, I, that was just how I was wired up. Joseph's sister, Emily, very similar, very similar, very aggressive, very competitive when playing sports. And when Joseph was in the second grade, he was playing baseball one night. I was coaching third base, and Joseph hit the ball. Joseph's a good athlete. He could hit. He had a pretty good swing and throw early on. That's just kind of part of how God wired him up. But Joseph hit the ball and ended up on second base with nobody on first base. And so I'm standing there on third base, and I, you know, I'm coaching him up. I'm like, you know, Dad, hat down. Come on, buddy. Here we go. Joseph, watch me. Watch me. Here we go. And the next batter up got a hit. And Joseph stood on second base and watched him run to first and cheered for him as he got to first base. <laughs> well, I'm on third base, and I'm about to lose it. How many dads know what I'm talking about? You ever kind of like, yeah. So I'm standing am going, Joe, buddy, hey, it's fun to go to third. Come on. When you can, watch daddy. Okay, come on. And so finally, sure enough, the next player up got a hit. Joseph ran to third, and he ended up going home, and the inning finally mercifully ended about 45 minutes later. And and when he came to the dugout, I said, Hey, Joe, how come you didn't run when you were at second base and I was waving you to third? And he goes, I didn't have to. Nobody was on first. <laughs>
1: it was so logical to him.
0: And, and I remember thinking, okay, This kid's different than me. (laughs) Nobody had to teach me how to be aggressive in sports or athletics. But now what's interesting is now that Joseph's almost 19 years old, he's very driven. He's got a great work ethic. But in the second grade, he didn't care. And what I discovered is that's part of how God wired him up. So I had to look at how God had wired Joseph up, not how he wired me up. Or his sister or his mom but i say okay train up a child in the way he should go if i'd have beaten joseph down like joe you gotta run there in second grade he'd have never walked on another field the rest of his life it's about training them up in the way they should go not the way i want them to go not the way julie wants them to go or the way we think other parents want them to go the way they should go individually.
1: It's so funny that you say that because I, many times we have said and we've kind of joked wouldn't it be awesome if kids came home from the hospital with a manual? <laughs> you know, and, and there are many guidebooks out there, but the truth is there's no manual that fits every kid anyway because every mom is different every child is different every dad is different the family dynamics are different you know if you look at this from the outside looking in you're like what on earth was God thinking (laughs) who thought this was a good idea to place all of these personalities and and temperaments into one home and say have at it the good news is God doesn't just do that he gives us guidelines and direction and wisdom when we We partner with him Mac and I have dropped the ball many 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 times too many to number we're grateful our children are not here to share with you (laughs) all of the times that we dropped the ball but we never quit trying and the thing about biblical parenting when you do it God's way when you realize that biblical parenting is more about identity than about the behavior when you realize that biblical parenting is more about okay God show me who this kid is it is and show me how to parent this child when you understand that you don't want to quit it's so you're so curious about how each child will pan out and about how each personality will develop there are days certainly when um, I wanted to toss in the towel I'm like well I did my best you know I gave it four months but I I <laughs> What fortunately had friends and family and church members around me to continue to cheer me on because. Parenting is a marathon, not a sprint. And when you understand the responsibility of parenting, of course your response should be a little bit of vomit in your mouth. When you realize, hey, whoa, you know, this is up to us. This is a little scary. We hardly know how to clean a bathroom. You know, we hardly know how to keep a house straight, how to grow a plant, much less raise these children. Wow. But the truth is... (laughs) I can do a, uh, what's that pothos ivy that you cannot kill? I can do that one. I'm your girl if you need a pothos ivy. But the responsibility (laughs) is overwhelming. If you understand the responsibility, you should be overwhelmed. But that doesn't mean that it's not our responsibility. Because when we look at Scripture, it's very clear our responsibility (laughs) as parents is not only to nurture and care for, to provide and protect, but it's very clear in Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. I'm going to pause right here. I'm pretty sure this was our kids' favorite memory verse. Uh-huh.
0: How many students love that one? Yeah. You're like, Dad, I want to talk about the sermon when you yeah, get home for Yeah, they
1: really loved I'm not going to lie to take this one out of context every so often. Fathers, do not provoke your children in, to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You see, God has given us the responsibility as parents to not only... Take care of our children but to train them in the things of God to train them in the ways of God and if we continue though to read if we go back and read the verses ahead you see it's very clear when we talk about parenting that moms and dads have a lot of responsibility but if you read the entire passage go back up to the verses prior to that Ephesians 6 1 through 3 just before that directive to parents children Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. You may interpret that where, you know, obey your parents so your mom won't kill you. You know, that's one way to look at it, I guess. But the truth is, when God is giving directives, when God is giving commands, when God gives instructions, he's doing that because he understands our lives work better this way. Yeah. Obey your parents, for your life will be long and full and overflowing. Why? Because God has set up the family to be a Safe haven when everyone understands their responsibility. Biblical parenting gives responsibility to the parents and to That's the right. kids. It's identity based and it involves everyone in the home. The truth is, biblical parenting also involves people who don't have kids and who may never have kids because if you are an adult, or if you are a teenager, there are young people around you that need you to help lead them in the way that they should go, whether they're your kids or someone else's kids. So, biblical parenting involves the whole family. So, we can just, I don't know, make up a word and call it biblical familying. It's kind of hard to say it fast, but if you put a little dash there, I think it works. Biblical familying means everyone in the family, parents, Kids, neighbors, everyone shares responsibility. You
0: know, <clears throat> this, I just thought of this. When, when I was growing up, my parents were divorced when I was 12 years old. There was a guy in our church I will never forget. His name was Scudder Tyndall. He was a single adult Wait, in our church. Is that his real name? That, it doesn't matter. Scutter? That's a great name. That sounds like that guy's trouble. I would like to it?
1: meet his parents. His name was Scudder.
0: But Scudder was a baseball coach that I had, and Scudder was a single guy in our church. But he took my brothers and me under his wing. I remember him taking us to Astros games in in the Astrodome, which was an old stadium back among Roman times. (laughs) And I remember Scudder taking me deer hunting the first time I ever went. I was about 13 years old. That happened through the church. There wasn't a formal program. There was not a, you know, dads for rent ministry in the church or anything like that. It was just somebody who cared enough to care, coming alongside, helping my mom raise three boys by herself that made a difference in my life, in the lives of my brothers. And and it's one of those names to this day. If you mention Scudder to my brother's Patrick Gill, we all crack up laughing. He was hilarious, great guy. But that was the difference that was made because the fact is, this parenting gig is overwhelming, only if you understand it. I mean, the only way you're tired as a parent is if you're doing it right. And it's overwhelming. The good news is God has provided a lot of help and support around us. We talked about earlier when we prayed for teachers, administrators, and faculty of our schools. That's part of our team. As I mean, you want our schools helping to reinforce what we're teaching at home. You want, to be, you want them to be around that. I remember when I was a kid growing up, if I got in trouble at school, it was a lot worse when I got home. How many of y'all grew up like that? Like, you knew, man, I'll take whatever the school wants to dish out. Just don't make me tell my mom about it. That's the house I grew up in. And and I think, you know, it's funny. My mom never, ever called a teacher or we didn't have email back in those days. There were carrier pigeons and stuff. But (laughs) my mom never scheduled an appointment with a teacher because I got in trouble. and, And the teacher didn't understand me. Or I hadn't had enough activity before I had to sit down. That was my job as, as a kid was to follow the rules and do what the teacher said. And and listen, did anybody go through school without having a crazy teacher? Let me just see a show of hands. Everybody's had a crazy teacher. That's part of the rites of passage. I mean, that's that's part of it. You teach your kids how to handle that. You let them learn and say, I remember my mom talking about one teacher in particular. She said, I was in the fifth grade and my mom sat me down and she said Mac what do you think the odds are that you're going to change her I'm like well I'd like to change and then you know she goes how old do you think she is And I was like I don't know about 130 <laughs> and she goes okay let's just say she's 130 do you think you're going to change her do you think if I go up there and tell her she's wrong I'm going to change her how are you going to learn to handle this And that was a critical learning moment. Everything's a teachable moment as a parent. But of all the partners that God has provided, do you know who the greatest partner God has provided parents is? The local church. The church is designed to partner with parents, to come alongside moms and dads who are shaping hearts, who are helping kids to discover their identity, and within that context to be a part of that family that is the church, imperfect as we are, to come alongside and say, we're going to help you. You know, when I coached uh, Emily and Joseph and their sports teams when they were real little and real young, I noticed something. My kids always listened to the other dad who was coaching more than they listened to me. Has anybody else experienced that? Let me just see. I mean, it was like, like I would tell Joseph, say, hey, Joseph, if you learned—he was—he's left-handed. I said, if you dribble with your right hand, you'd be able to go left or right, and nobody could guard you, man. He'd like, okay, Dad, whatever. The other coach would say, Joseph, if you would learn to dribble with your right hand as well as with your left, you could go left or right, and nobody would be able to guard you. Joseph would come home from practice and go, Dad, listen to what Coach McAllister told me. <laughs> and it was like, and I was like, man, Joseph, that's genius. You should try that. Well. When you, as a parent, allow the church to partner with you, the church reinforces what you're trying to do anyway. Now, there are other groups that are great. Schools. Awesome. We encourage kids to go to school. (laughs) Sports. Do sports. Extracurricular. Awesome. Cheerleading. Yay. Team. Two bits, four bits, six bits a dollar. Awesome. But you don't want to raise your kids to just play church. You want to raise your kids to partner with the church as well. And the only way that happens is if it's a priority for your family. I'm not saying you should be here 52 weeks a year, 53 on leap years. We're fairly committed. I'm not here every week. But the church is your greatest ally, it is your greatest resource for preparing your kids for the path God created them for. There's nothing else like it. There's not another group. There's not another team. There's not another parachurch ministry. Nothing is like the local church, and we are here to be a resource, which is why you've already heard about it a little bit for those of you who are on time this morning. Fearless family on October the 18th, which is a Sunday night, Sunday night, October the 18th. That's Sunday night, October the what? 18. Fearless Family is an event. It is a tool that Lake Hills Church wants to put in your family's pocket, and it's designed for everybody, middle school and up. We'll have child care available for, we'll, we we'll, are we doing child no. care? It's a school
1: night. See, that's late. What's, uh, I know. Okay, but
0: anyway, so fifth, I'm sorry, middle school and up. Like, I was right about it, October 18th.
1: You were. But job. October the
0: 18th, is an event that you need to have on your family's calendar. It is a tool in your pocket that you need. Andy Andrews, New York Times bestselling author, speaks all over the world. He's spoken to special forces before they deployed with their families. I mean, spoke to them and their families before they deployed. They don't take their kids with them on operations. (laughs) This is something you need to be A Part of Sunday night, October the 18th.
1: Absolutely. And if anybody's ever heard Andy, if you ever read anything by him, you know, he is a dynamic, dynamic speaker. And we um, are friends with him. We happen to know that he has awesome kids an awesome family which gives him that much more credibility because as we've said before you can fake a lot of things in this world you cannot fake great kids and he has great kids and I promise you your family will benefit from your investing that time put it on your calendar now before it gets blocked out We love as a church to partner with families. We love to walk alongside families and cheer them on and help parents as they teach their kids how to become who God created them to be. We understand it's overwhelming. We're still overwhelmed and our kids are almost 21 and 19 and we're still going, man, at some point you think we'll figure this out? You know, (laughs) we're all cheering each other on and that's why we offer the ministries we offer every single week.
0: And thank God in the Church, we've got people that have gone before Absolutely. us who have the experience we don't have yet, and we can pick up the phone and go, What do we do? Or we can have them out, you know, we can go out to eat whenever we want to now. That's true. <laughs> but anyway.
1: <laughs> I was saying something. What was I saying?
0: Partnering with parents, partnering, partnering
1: with, with parents. Oh, and we offer stuff every Sunday morning. Um, I was thinking about going out to eat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Go ahead and tell them why.
1: Oh, I'm not going to lie. I got a little distracted thinking about where I was going to eat. Because we're on day 30 of Whole30, and so we've had no grains or dairy or, yeah. Today is day 30. I'm not going to lie. All I'm thinking of is where I'm going to eat tomorrow. (laughs) I may spend the day at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Just come visit me, you know. Okay, partnering with parents. Um, We offer and we work hard, Pastor Jack, Pastor Dan, to provide age-appropriate ministries for your kids, for your teenagers. We um, work as a team to say how can we help parents the most how can we help kids discover who God created them to be a lot of parents are thinking I don't know where to start just do the next thing come to church drop your kids off in the kids building they will hear God's Word it will begin to take root in their hearts students I'm telling you it is worth going I know a family who said well we go to the 930 service and the middle school is at 11 I'm like I promise you I promise you, this was three years ago. They made the change. They've never looked back because of what it did for their son. Biblical parenting is rarely convenient. But it is always worth it. That's I'm telling you, we love to give opportunities. We are about raising leaders, not followers. And so in our ministries, these kids will have opportunities to lead other kids, not just high schoolers leading middle schoolers, although our high schoolers rock. High schoolers leading middle schoolers, middle schoolers leading elementary, but we have many elementary who serve, who implement Titus 2. There's always someone younger than you that you can serve with I'm telling you it is worth it as
0: well as somebody a little bit older than you
1: absolutely
0: that you can see hey this is what it looks like to live a Christ-centered life when you're maybe 20 or 21 or 23 and I'm 15 16 my parents are so old, they don't know what year it is, but this person that I've gotten to know, because I'm connected, I'm not playing church, I'm partnering with the church, I see what it looks like, and the, the value is absolutely priceless
1: it's so um i i know that i get a little keyed up when i talk about this and i talk a little faster and i talk a little louder and it's because not just because we love lake hills church but we do love lake hills church but it's because we've seen what these ministries did for emily and joseph Emily and Joseph are who they are. I mean, Mac and I worked hard, believe you me. We made a lot of mistakes. You know who filled in the gap? God came through the ministries of Dan and Jack and filled in the gap where we were missing the mark. That's what the church does for you. I wish I had a bus and I could pick up every kid in the area and drop them off. It's that good. And I'm telling you, the parents... Who have made that decision who have said we prefer the 930 but we'll go to the 11 so that our middle schooler goes there the parents who have decided Wednesday that's not convenient for me oh you know what it's worth it for my teenager my teenager says he doesn't know anybody I'm like really every teenager says that don't fall for that mom and um, you know what that doesn't mean your kids a deceiver I'm gonna give you the three excuses teenagers use number one (laughs) I don't know anybody they try to get you to feel sorry for them and so and if you don't fall for that one they'll pull the second So they pull the social, then they pull the academic. I have homework. They go, if they didn't fall for the other one, they don't feel sorry for me, surely academics will be important. And if you don't fall for that one, they go, mom, you know what? They throw the spiritual. I really enjoy listening to Mac i really rather go to church with you. So they're just throwing the spaghetti to see what sticks. And so our job as parents is to say, you know what, I love that you love Mac. Man, I say we download that when you get home and we can listen to it together. But we want you to learn who God created you to be, and so we're going to partner with the church, and we want you to go to the ministry that is shaped just that's for you. And that's where you, you
0: connect with other people. Yeah. You connect with other people, peers, the same age. That's where you learn, hey, when I go to school on Monday or on Friday night, I'm not completely alone. I'm not by myself when I'm choosing not to drink and I'm choosing not to sleep around and, and uh, whatever else. There, and are, other people, there yeah. are other people doing the same thing and making the same choices my age, but if they don't connect, they never make that connection.
1: And it's not easy. I'm not going to say it's easy for the teenagers, but you know what? My job as mom is not to make sure life is easy for my kids. If I create a world in which everything is easy and they never struggle and they never know what it feels like to be the only one, I've not prepared them for that day that will come when they need to be strong enough to be the only one and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the right thing even if I'm the only yeah. one. That is my yeah. job. That is our job. Equipping our kids to be strong enough to be the only one. Biblical parenting, rarely convenient, always worth it. I tell you what, we have one family who's already learned. Let's watch this video.
2: I'm Scott Haywood. I do government relations for an engineering firm.
3: I'm Megan Haywood. I'm a stay-at-home mom to Elle, almost seven years old, and Drew, four and a half.
2: We we church hopped for a long time, um, pretty much right after we got married. We we wanted to find a church. We bounced around for about a year and and really never, you know, never settled on anywhere, um, and kind of just stopped going to church after that. Um, And and it was probably at the point where we were early in our marriage and just knew something was missing. We didn't know what it was at the time. We stayed up one night talking and um, kind of finally got to the realization, hey, we're not involved in a church. We're not going to church and we need to figure this out. And the next day we we went to Lake Hills. Mm -hmm. The very
3: next day. Our marriage changed that day. I think our lives changed that day in a way. And as we began to go, we began to go more and more. You know, we took... We took the next step um, going just from, I guess, a couple times a month to three times a month to every time we're in town.
2: For, for me, the first step was just joining a men's Bible study and going and, and, and being with those guys you know, every, every week and spending that time in fellowship with them. And so having a Bible study where you do see so many other really successful men that are living their life the right way is very reassuring and it gives you confidence as you go out and every day to, to do what your job is.
3: So I am um, I was asked by a friend who is volunteering at VBS we need some extra help with the second graders and I ended up working with a few kids with special needs and that was just such an eye-opening experience just to watch them kind of transform from Monday through Thursday and just get more and more involved, and I walked away thinking to myself, well, there's kind of something to that. I mean, there's there's clearly a reason why they do VBS here. What's wonderful is, as a parent, to serve in the kids' building and see your own children in the kids' building, and you see the light click on for your own children. That happened this summer, I think, with our son. I think, you know, he had kind of a shift. He had a shift in his faith, you know, all of four and a half years old. And, you know, and of course we've seen it with Elle as well. And I love that.
2: One of the guys in my small group um, said that we we always need more help serving. And uh, he invited me to come serve as as an usher. And, And again, it was just through doing that that I took the next step into being more involved in the church. You know, you get to see everyone coming in every Sunday and and be a part of what they're, they're getting out of the church experience. And then to know that every weekend there's somebody raising their hand, accepting Christ and taking that next step for themselves, and just having played a small role in that is an amazing opportunity.
3: In preparation for Elle's first birthday party, we were talking and we figured, well, she has everything. We thought, well, instead of gifts, why don't we ask our friends and family to bring peanut butter and jelly for mobile loaves and fishes in lieu of gifts. And everyone really showed up big that year and we were able to give a great donation in her honor. And ever since then, we have just kind of carried that on with all of their birthdays, both Drew and Elle.
2: Yeah, and with Elle, she started making um, bracelets. Um, I I have one on today, but she makes these bracelets and this past summer, she started trying to raise money by selling the bracelets, and then she donated it all to Mobile Oves and Fishes. So just as a, as a dad and as his parents, it was awesome to see your kid taking that initiative and doing it on their own.
3: I mean, I think in a church like Lake Hills, you know, that's so big, so many awesome people, it's great to kind of hone in and have a small group you're going through the same thing, whether it's having kids, whether it's changing jobs, whether it's losing jobs, but it's just having that, having that connection with other people, having that support is just absolutely outstanding. I think it's unrealistic to, um, to, you know, to put yourself out there to think, oh, I can just be involved in absolutely everything on day one.
2: I think our, our story, while we are all in today, you know, it was one step at a time to get there. You know, no matter what it is, there's a way to get involved. There's a way to do something within Lake Hills Church, and it's, it's all been awesome. I just love it. Was
1: awesome. I love what they said because all they said was take the next step, whatever the next step is for you. If this is your first time here, maybe your next step is coming back next Sunday. If you've been here for a while, your next step may be different. Whatever your next step is, say, you know what? I embrace this responsibility, and I am going to partner with the church. We love families we want so badly for you to enjoy your job as parenting and so we would love 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 To partner with you. And as a matter of fact, we're going to arm all the kids in here um, for school tomorrow. Or if you've already been gone, you're going to be even more ready than you were last week when you entered. Because it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And then it talks in Deuteronomy about our job to teach kids about God's ways. So as we enter school tomorrow, we're going to have four quick things that you're going to be able, parents, to equip your kids with, and kids, what you're going to be able to cheer each other on. I was a cheerleader and a teacher, they have motions, okay? So um, the first one is be kind. Everybody do it. Ready? One, two, three. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. And the scripture that goes with that is Ephesians 4.32. I want to encourage you families, look it up. Maybe memorize it. Read it together. Be kind. The second one, be good. Be kind. Be good. This
0: is not Giggum Aggies. Okay. This Definitely is be not. Good. I Two did. Two totally get Google, Be yeah. good, be an Aggie. but
1: Be kind, be good. Goes with Galatians 6 9. Be kind, be good, be strong. Be kind, be good, be strong. Joshua 1 9. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you when you walk into school tomorrow. Be kind, be good, be strong, and finally, be you. Be kind, be good, be strong, be you. Be who God created you to be.
0: You know, I think you'll notice that we have just now come full circle. Remember the very beginning of the message? Train up a child in the way he should go. In the way he should go. Who he is, who God created that boy, that girl to be. But whatever you do, when you teach your kids to be who God created them to be, then the behavioral type stuff starts to make sense to them. When you see them make a stupid decision, hypothetically, you just look at them and go, you know what, that's not who you are. I I know that that's not who you want to be. I know that to lie to your father, hypothetically, is not who you are. You be you. Be who God made you to be. Psalm chapter 139, verse 14 says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Parents, what if that was our kids' prayer by the time they leave home? If they could say to God, I know. That I am fearfully, I am awesomely and wonderfully made by you. I know it and I will praise you, God. I'm going to live with you in relationship because you made me and you don't make junk. I will follow you. That's my job as a dad. Julie's job as a mom is to prepare our kids to be able to say that, to know that, and to mean it. And that starts in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our primary role as parents, is to point our kids to God. And because they get to know God, they get to know themselves and figure out the identity he placed in their soul when he formed them in their mother's womb. That's the job at hand. And that's what it's all about. I want to ask you, if you will, bow your heads with me for just a moment. And in this moment, I want to ask you, if you will, please help us and guard this moment because if you're here today and you have never stepped into a relationship with christ this may be your day we've talked about family and school and everything else but ultimately it's about your personal relationship with god not playing at religion but partnering in relationships And it begins with a willing heart. It begins with a surrendered heart where you give every part of who you are to the God who made you, who loves you perfectly as is and loves you too much to leave you there. So if that's you today and you want to take that step, then you just pray right where you're sitting in your own words, just silently. Just something like this. Just pray and just say, Jesus, I need you. And I give you my life to follow you with everything I have. I confess my sin to you, Jesus, in order to claim your forgiveness. Will walk with you, I will follow you from this moment forward. Jesus, I pray this prayer in your name. With everybody's head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment more. If that was your prayer, this is the most important moment of your life. It's the moment that changes everything. Not just for the good or for the better, for the best. And so it's a moment that you need to make sure that you mark. Don't let it just kind of slide by and, hey, I think I remember. No, no, no. You mark this moment in your mind and in your heart. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, if you would just, if you just prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. Just raise it high in the air to mark this moment. To know that it's real. And know with your hand up right now that as a church, we want to partner with you. We want to we be a safe place, a family of faith. And so when our service ends in just a moment, I want to ask you especially, if you'll fill out that Connect card that's in the program today. You can tear it off at the perforation. and. Just fill it out, your name, brief contact info, and then just say, "I I'm indicate there, I committed my life to Christ today. And when you leave, you find somebody in one of those blue LHC shirts, Lake Hills Church. Or you can stop at the little blue awning underneath the tent at the front door and just briefly make a personal connection and hand that to somebody and know that this is a safe place. This is a family of faith. And know that we celebrate that with you. So as you put your hands down, our family tradition is we put our hands together to tell you welcome home. Welcome home.